Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Glenn Tilbrook of the hit British band Squeeze performs live at City Winery in Washington, D.C. this Thursday night. I spoke to Tilbrook about teaming with songwriting partner Chris Difford for early comparisons to Lennon and McCartney, penning hits like Tempted and Pulling Muscles from the Shell. Glenn, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure uh, here from what was initially a really sunny day, and now it's absolutely chucking it down with rain outside. <laughs> where are you right now? I am in the, you know, I don't really know where I am. I'm somewhere in the north of England. I'm doing a few shows, and I'm playing somewhere near Liverpool tonight. But we've pulled in to do these, so I don't really know where I am. You know what? Do any of us ever really know where we are? <laughs> Or does anyone really know what time it is? <laughs> does anybody care? Yeah, uh, exactly. Check out Chicago on a previous episode of this podcast. Uh, anyway, hey, Glenn, uh, we're talking. We're talking because the legendary Glenn Tilbrook, uh, famously of Squeeze, the the great band, uh, is coming to City Winery in D.C. on September 29th. So everybody, get your tickets. What what can we expect from the show? It, it, do you do you do you tend to mix up you know some some of the Squeeze greatest hits with some of your your solo stuff? Is it a little bit of both? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of both, and it's a little bit of some covers as well. Um, you know, um, so during lockdown, uh, I started recording covers every week and putting them up on YouTube. And so there's, I don't know, I think there's about 16, 17, maybe 18 of those hanging about. And so I picked some songs from them. Um, Squeeze just recorded a new song, actually, last week. Really? And, what's uh, it, what's be, it called? I'm going to be playing that. It's called Food for Thought. Um, and uh, very, very, very pleased with it. And it's given us a really big boost as a band. Uh, you know, I finished the song the day we started recording it. And, uh, and we worked on it for three days, going through various different permutations, as you do. And um, I, I want to say I was tremendously buoyed by watching the Get Back movie um, because... You realize just how long it takes to work things out. You know, <laughs> you could see that. Could have used uh, an editor, the you know. Could have uh, used an editor. <laughs> you know, it just uh, it just takes time until you actually all settle on the thing that that goes boom, click. That's it. That's the way it's got to be. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's great to have that feeling again because uh, Chris and I hadn't written for five years before that. You know, you, it's funny you mentioned the Beatles get back thing, because I'm pretty sure, you know, early on in your career, when you and Chris, this is, you know, Chris, Chris Difford and, and, and you, uh, you know, your songwriting partner uh, early in your career, a lot of people co compared you to the Beatles. Right. Didn't they say you were the heirs to Lennon and McCartney's throne? Uh, you know, uh, no pun intended with the Queen passing. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, 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 that was uh, that was the thing for a while. That's that's for sure. And it was very flattering. I why think, do you th um, why do you think they made that parallel? That is very flattering. But why do you think uh, you had the chops there? Why do you think they, they the writers would would actually make that giant leap and, and actually well, say you're in their class? I, I think that uh, people did a lot of things uh, in at that particular time. They were looking for the new Beatles. They were looking for the new Dylan. They were looking for the new Springsteen. You know, mm -hmm. and none of those people ever actually arrived. <laughs> including yourself it's a handy reference point you know if you like them you might like us and i think that's true i think that's yeah. true i think we had diverse enough songs 
And certainly, you know, at the beginning, we had different people singing them, you know, between Paul Carrick and Chris, as well as me. So there was, you know, there are some comparisons you could make. I think we were, I think we had a sort of fresh, youthful, slightly punky sound, and that was contemporary at that time, too. Well, uh, awesome. Well, before we before you even um, met Chris, I want to know like your your actual uh, you know your origin story. I know you were born in London in what fifty seven, but how how did you actually get turned on to music to begin with before you even met Chris? Uh, I was one of those people. I didn't know it, but I, my parents there was always music playing around the house, and uh, and I just gravitated towards it. Uh, I, I didn't have any musical education, but there was a piano in the house, and then I had a guitar, and I taught myself how to play. And I was just, uh, you know, completely, completely away with the fairies as far as music was concerned. I was always obsessed with it, and it was always what I wanted to do. That's great. All right, and then so then, how did the big life changing uh, meeting with Chris Difford come about? Do you, do you actually remember the first time you met, or is it one of those things where you've known him so long you can't even really remember? Yeah, the first no, time? no, no. I remember exactly. He was uh, he said that, uh, I met him in this pub called the Three Tons in Blackheath. What, what was it called? What was it called? You dropped out the Three Tons. The, the Three Tons. Yeah, and uh, he'd said he'd be carrying a copy of the Times under his uh, right arm. What he didn't say was that he'd be wearing a multicolored lyrics overcoat, so, you know, which would have been far easier to spot. Anyhow, I spotted him and we hit it off. You know, uh, I went back to his house and he had some great songs. And I think I did too. So we started writing together almost immediately. And it was very fortuitous because we reinforced each other in a way I don't think we could have done alone. Awesome, awesome. Well, tell me about putting together that self-titled debut album there in 1978. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people associate you with, you know, your 80s run, but we got to remind people it started in the late 70s, actually. So um, uh, Take Me, I'm Yours and Bang Bang were off that first one. Um, you know, do you remember who, which one of you two came up with the sparks of those ideas or was it a kind uh, Well, you know, Take Me, I'm Yours, we recorded... The album was recorded with John Cale, and I think he didn't really like, I don't think he liked how poppy our songs were. So it, he sort of subverted what Squeeze was into more of his take on what, you know, what we should be. And I have the utmost respect for that, but it didn't really sound like us. Um, and in fact, the two tracks we recorded without John were, were Taking On Yours and, um, and uh, Bang Bang. So... You know, they were more they were more directly what we wanted to be about. Take me on yours. We'd recorded before, but we didn't get it right. That happens sometimes. And take me on yours is us pretending to be craft work. And but it sounds like us, doesn't it? So we lucked out. <laughs> cool. Well, I, I assume then I guess you were more pleased with the the direction your sound was going in in Cool for Cats, the album and, and the song for that matter. Um up the junction was on there too, slap and tickle. It was uh was was cool for cats. Was, was that you veering veering more into the a sound that you actually thought was was more of your your bag? I think the I think the Cool for Cats album was the first was really like our first record would have been had we had uh, more control over it. It was, it's a, definitely a pop record and it goes in lots of different directions. And I'm really proud of it. I think, you know, as a young band, 
we did a good job of casting ourselves in lots of different directions. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fond of it. Not that I ever play it, but if I did, I'd like it. I know. <laughs> well, I'm not going to make you go chronologically through through all of your songs, obviously, but <laughs> uh, because we'd be here all day. But I know my listeners will kill me if we don't hit some of the some of the bigger ones. Uh, let me jump through real quick. Uh, how about label label with love? That was a good one. Um, was that that was you and, and Chris again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of them are me and Chris. Uh, just a song about uh, transatlantic romance I, I think i remember chris saying he was inspired by a tv program about um women who have met american servicemen in the uk and then married them and returned and gone over to live in the states with them and some of them you know made it and loved it and others didn't um which i thought was a great story and then years later he said it was about something completely different so i have no idea what it really is about but i'm going to stick with the first story <laughs> i like that well a lot of the yeah. ones we mentioned you know you know cool for cats label with love up the junction a lot of those were um were big in in you know in in the uk pulling muscles yeah. as well uh but then talk, tell me about when when the moment you think you crossed over here in, here in the states uh, cuz we are a dc station i think what was tempted was tempted the the first big one or was it uh black Co no i guess tempted probably was the big one right? tempted was was that yeah it was the first time we got uh serious radio play uh, more or less everywhere previously we've been you know bigger on the east coast um and uh you know it was a wonderful moment paul carrot really transformed the song with the way he sang it and uh and it, it took us to a different place i think why why do you think it captured everybody why do you why, why do you think it is i mean i know it's hard, always hard to put those into words but what <laughs> is is it because it's relatable you know right from the beginning and i bought a toothbrush some toothpaste i find like uh is, is it relatable yeah. visual storytelling you think i think i think it is you know i think the fact that it was all uh pretty true that was referencing the things that we saw when we went to the airport before going on tour from where we lived um and uh it had you know that's another song that we didn't get right first time but we re-recorded it and the version that everyone knows is, is the right version well, it's an it's an all time hit there. Tempted by the it's everyone can sing. You know what I mean? If you, you that's one you could talk to anyone on the street, even if they don't remember Squeeze, they'd be like, "What is that?" And even young kids, and you start singing it, they go, yeah. "I've heard that in a video yeah. game or commercial yeah. or whatever." It's everywhere. Um, tell me about the creation of Black Coffee in Bed. The title alone is great, but didn't I read somewhere that Chris came up with that? We saw a coffee stain or something. Uh, you know, I have no idea about. Well, about how that came about lyrically. But I will say this, what's interesting to me about playing in Squeeze over the last 15 years is how we've seen our audience increase and increase and increase way up, you know, way beyond levels that we've seen, you know, for 20 years before that. Um, back to the sort of time in, in the 80s when we had large audiences. And the interesting thing is there's a, lot, there's a lot of folks our age, but there's also a lot of younger kids who have come to us, you know, through the internet, via Spotify, wherever it is, and uh, have come to check out what we're about. And that's, uh, that's a truly amazing thing when you feel that your audience is growing again. Uh, 
I didn't, you know, you never know if that's going to happen. And I was fine with it being however it ended up. But that really is quite something where we are now. Do you think it's just, you know, uh, you know, the, the generation that came up with you or I don't know, Gen Xers or whatever, late baby boomers listening to you guys and then they turn it, they, they play it for their kids or maybe, damn, maybe even grandkids at this point. I did 2022 now, but um, do you, yeah. I mean, do you think it's them passing it on or do you think it's, do you think it's young folks discovering it on their own? Like with Spotify, like you're saying. I, I think it's more, more the last thing, you know, you think about, you know, when we started making records, Elvis Presley had come about like 20 years before that whole thing about white rock music was only 20 years old, 18 years old when we started writing and making music with squeeze. Now there's this incredible history of stuff stretching back past all the different stuff that's happened, you know, so kids have such a lot to choose from and it, and it's going on, of course. You know, when we were 20, we would never have dreamed of really listening to music made 40 years earlier. It took a while for us, for instance, to go back to the like, Great American Songbook and all those writers and see the you know real warmth and intelligence that had happened during that period. And also the great singers, you know, Sinatra, Elvis, Gerald, all that stuff. But it takes a while to discover that. With the internet, you can just go everywhere all at once and i think that for kids breaks down many barriers i agree i agree and do, isn't it funny talk about really quick it's funny i mean you what you just said sparked something for me um it's funny how the different you know technological mode of you know delivery systems uh can can influence the hits and different generations like uh, for instance, like when, when Hourglass drops, I'm sh- because of MTV, the MTV generation loves Hourglass. And because of Spotify, they might like one of your new or something. You know what I mean? Like it, that, that, yeah. it's fat, that's funny. I mean, do you think MTV had a lot to do with at least the American? Yeah, I think, I think um, you know, MTV has a lot to do with it. And also, you know, song placement now. You don't need to look at Kate Bush running up the hill recently to see, you know, what what you know a song placed in the right vehicle can do it and it's capable of doing and how it's how much it can get across to people and in a sense the age of the song doesn't matter it's how fresh it is to people i agree entirely i've all i've always said people look at me like i'm crazy but i've always agreed i've always said that there is no past present or future i think it's all one long thing and it kind of dips in and out and speaks to each other and it doesn't you know you know what i mean like you're saying a great song's a great song um yeah absolutely well great so i mean we've listed a lot of the squeeze songs that you might play you know during the show here at city winery how about some pl- which ones from your solo career might we hear and i don't want to spoil the whole set list but give us at least a teaser of some of the some of the solo ones you that you that are almost like i must plays every time you you perform uh, there, there aren't any must play songs for the set at all um and it really uh you know i'm gonna keep that a mystery um but uh you know it'll be entertaining i promise you that that's great. Well, we appreciate we appreciate you you joining us. Um, how how's that? Do do you stay in touch with with Chris much these days, or what's the latest? Yeah, well, well, we just started working. Uh, as I said, we recorded a new song last week, and uh, that's right. We are very much going to do some more stuff, uh, and um, uh, we'll be touring uh, in the UK in October and November, and uh, coming to America next year. 
Sounds great. Sounds great. And I know we sort of made light of it in a in a joke earlier, but but in all seriousness, how what is the vibe over there? I mean, the, the queen passing is a huge huge deal. I, I crunched the numbers, and um, I think she her, her, she was alive for like thirty nine percent of America's existence. <laughs> it just shows hey how young of a country we were. We are how young of a country we are, and how long of a run she had. But what's the what's the feel over there? Wow, uh, <laughs> I think there's. Uh... I think whether you agree with the royal family or not, um, but I, I, I'm not a particular big fan of um, the place that occupies in, in the United Kingdom, but I have respect for her, for the position she has held with dignity. And the fact, you know, she's, she's been a part of people's lives. If you're 70 or under, you will remember her all your life. And so that's a, that's a big role. And she, she did it well, I think. That's true. Yeah, it's 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 fun to have this conversation across the pond. It's it, it's it's um England is a is a um, parliamentary democracy, but likes to pretend the old monarchy days are still a thing, kind of. <laughs> Whereas here, we're a democracy and trying to prevent becoming an autocracy sometimes in, in our elections and stuff. <laughs> so it's all <laughs> it's all flipped. But all these two crazy countries, we have a lot of history together, man. <laughs> well, yeah, we certainly do. We certainly do. But we but, really uh, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, any final words? You know, talk to our listeners. Say, hey, come on out to City Winery. You're going to have a good time. Hey, coming out to City Winery and have a good time. I'm Glenn Tilbrook. I will still be Glenn Tilbrook by the time I get there. I hope you're there too. Thank you. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. <laughs> Again, everybody, Glenn Tilbrook of Squeeze going to be coming to City Winery in D.C. on Thursday, September 29th. Get your tickets. Hey, thanks, Glenn. Cool. Thanks, Jason. All right. Be well. See ya. Cheers. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.